this is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Live, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of FD Talks. Uh, today, we're going to be beginning a new series on exploring growth as funeral professionals, and we'll touch on this series often over the next few months as we discuss growth in personal development, in professional development, and in growing others. Now, today we have two special guests with us, both of whom are involved in numerous funeral service organizations. We have Gary Freitag, and we have Kevin Gaffney. Um, Gary, if you don't mind, kind of give us a little bit about your background and just and let us know who you are. Uh, I am the currently the president and CEO of Spring Grove Cemetery and Arboretum, but I'm not from the profession. Been in it now 19 years, uh, but I came uh, out of business school and I've run manufacturing companies. I was the treasurer of a public company for uh, three or four years, and I've also done some some entrepreneurial stuff. So I've a wide smattering of uh, experiences before I arrived at Spring Grove. Very good. And Kevin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I have been uh, calling on funeral homes and cemeteries, helping them primarily with uh, free need, but also with um, basically everything that they're doing to grow their businesses. So I've been doing that for about 30 years, did some out in California and uh, moved back to Cincinnati, where I'm from, and spent some time working with Gary and the folks at uh, Spring Grove in the early 2000s. And I've been with Funeral Directors Life as a regional vice president for about 17 years. Very good. Well, I'm thankful to have both of you gentlemen on today. Uh, I guess the first question I'm going to ask you guys, just in your observation, what do you think, what do you think a major problem that uh, funeral directors are are facing nowadays? Uh, I guess I could take that one first, Kevin. Um, I, I would, I would tell you that it is the, uh, the evolving uh, needs of the consumer and and how varied that's become. So in a world 20 years ago, when most people had traditional funerals where, where it had a heavy uh, organized religion element to it, they were more standardized. So it was easier for the funeral director to control all the variables. Now in a world we, where we have um, everything from a massive Christian burial all the way to a cookout with a beer truck um, and everything in between, uh, it makes it much more difficult for a funeral director to adapt service to service and provide something uh, meaningful and valuable to the family. Uh, it's just harder to control all those all those various elements in a, in a modern funeral as opposed to what it looked like, let's say, 1975. Kevin, did you have any thoughts on that? I would I would just concur. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at maybe a 60 year window, the first 40 years were pretty consistent. You know, you could do a funeral and you did it the same way that you took care of their other family member, you know, eight to 10 years prior. Um, and in my 30 years and in the last 20 years I've been in this business, uh, it's it's changed exponentially. And it's it's the consumer. You know, it's it's not the profession making the change. It's the consumer saying we want something different and um so I couldn't agree more. That's the biggest challenge is to is to meet that changing need. It's like a moving target. You know, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to know exactly where it is, but you got to be willing to try. And one of the hardest things for cemeterians and funeral professionals is risking making a mistake. Um, so 
you know, but if you don't try and, and hit that moving target and you just try and give them what you've always given them, they start to lose value. And that's, that's the big challenge. Gary, have you seen any of that at Spring Grove where you are? Oh, absolutely. And uh, it's, it is difficult. I, I, I think, uh, you know, funeral directors are the kind of professional, they want everything to go perfectly. A friend of mine said a long time ago, they work for hugs, not money. You got to pay them so they can feed themselves, but they're there for that interaction with the family. Uh, and so uh, trying to find that, you know, what, what's valuable to a family. And they're, they're also deathly afraid of something going wrong. And I, I tell a story when I teach at ICCFA University about our uh, number two funeral director. And uh, he did a, a funeral for a, a family that, that lost a, uh, an 11 year old. And the idea was to do a butterfly release by her nine year old sister. And when she went to open the box and dump the, and let the butterflies release, they just dumped out as a ball of dead butterflies, which of course, made the situation exponentially worse. And it's hard for a funeral director to have to go through that, even if the family understands, you know, hey, there's nothing the funeral director did wrong. It's tough for them to go back in and do that again and take that risk because uh, they care so much about making sure it is meaningful and wonderful, as, as, as wonderful as they can make it for the family. When things go awry, uh, they tend to beat themselves up. So yeah, we've definitely had incidents where Things we tried to do went awry. And you know, I tell funeral homeowners, you need to innovate, but be prepared to pay for several funerals a year because something's going to go wrong. Your technology's not going to work. The dove release doesn't work. I mean, we have a very large cemetery, and about once or twice a year, a red-tailed hawk gets, gets one of the, uh, the doves that are being released, and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> but... Um, that could be traumatic for a family, but that doesn't mean you stop. Uh, you do the best you can to control the variables and and move forward. Hope the family understands if something doesn't go off exactly the way you wanted to. I would chime in there with what Gary said is, you know, if you think about maybe one or two, you've, you've got something that you've got to apologize for, but those families typically see you're trying to do something to meet their needs. And they, you know, it doesn't mean all of them, but a lot of them are going to be understanding that you know, you didn't control that hawk. Uh, you know, that wasn't within your, your power. But um, the other thing that I would say is, you know, if it's a couple of funerals a year where maybe something like that happens, you had the other 98% or whatever it is that you did a better job because you were willing to, to step out there and risk a little bit. Um, that's, that's where the profession really needs to go in, in because that's what the consumer is asking for. I know those two examples that you guys have shared with the with the butterfly release and the hawk. I mean, those are pretty extreme examples, but not, I, I think probably I hear stories all the time from funeral directors and not every one of those stories is as drastic as that. Sometimes they're humorous, but they always seem to contribute to something that gives you a little extra from that experience to take away, whether you're telling that story, you know, to your family members and maybe who weren't able to attend, or you just, you put it in your repertoire as a funeral director of, of things that you're capable of doing. The, the, one of the other ones that, where it was actually a positive thing, and I believe this was Mark Krause, a, a past ICCFA president, he got lost on the, from the funeral service to the, to the cemetery, to the burial site. And so they ended up showing up like 15 or 20 minutes late for the, for the uh, funeral. And he was, he was terrified the family was going to be upset. They get set up for the graveside service. The whole family's laughing. 
because um, the decedent was their mother and they said she was late for everything. And we told her she'd be late for her own funeral. And it turns out she was. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so I, let's, let's talk about this, Gary, because I know that your background, like you said before, is in business. You haven't been uh, in funeral service for the, your entire career, but how did you grow into that? And what are, what maybe is some advice that you could give to funeral professionals who are starting at various points in their career, but want to grow in this, in this field of service? Well, I would tell you that when I joined uh, Spring Grove back in 2003, I knew less than nothing about the cemetery and funeral service. And frankly, it was it was through a recruiter, and I told the recruiter, "Why in the world would you call me? I don't have any, you know, I don't know anything about this profession." And uh, so I went in uh, with a significant amount of trepidation. Uh, and I can tell you that uh, the the main the, the one thing I would I would try to communicate to anyone that's in this profession is to reach outside to an organization and make connections with other organizations. This profession. Uh, shares more best practices than any profession I'm aware of, other than maybe healthcare. Because every if you're outside 15 miles, you don't compete with anybody. You're only competing with the funeral homes and the cemeteries in your little uh, local area. And so uh, I belong to four different CEO roundtables. I've been very involved in ICCFA uh, as a way to expose myself to other ideas, other best practices, other ways people have approached it both good and bad. Sometimes you can avoid stepping in a bear trap just by talking to somebody saying, hey, I'm thinking about doing that. And they immediately say, oh, we tried that five years ago. If you do it, whatever you do, don't go that direction. Um, so uh, it has been a, tr a tremendous advantage for me, someone outside the profession, to be able to uh, discuss issues going on. Uh, I just uh, gave a, a, a speech at a conference and I talked about the fact that during the pandemic, there was all kinds of variability, all kinds of shifting guidance from the government, guidance from business, guidance from the national government, guidance from the healthcare professionals. And some of it was contradictory as we evolved our way through understanding what was going on in the pandemic. And I had a group of between 50 and 75 CEOs that I could pick up a phone or send an email to and say, hey, what are you doing about this? How are you handling mass protocols? How are you handling quarantines? Uh, it gave us a tremendous amount of con uh, confidence in, in a situation that was shifting and difficult, and you were being watched very closely by all your employees uh, about what decisions you were making based on what. And so uh, that, to me, is the single thing that that is most important. Get out, get get go to educational events, whatever it is, but but make those connections within within the profession because people that are drawn to this profession are caregivers. And that, that includes the family, but it also includes their coworkers and other people facing some of the same challenges. And they're very willing to share whatever you wanna understand. Uh, so that would be my first and, and, and strongest recommendation if you're joining the profession. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that, um, you know, I was very fortunate and, you know, I, I came from a, a different background 30 years ago. I was very fortunate that you know, I worked for companies, including Funeral Directors Life, that see the value in having us attend things like ICCFA and, and Cana and things like that. And in my early years, I was out in California and, uh, you know, 20 years ahead of the East Coast in terms of, or the Midwest in terms of cremation uh, and things like that. Um, 
but getting into ICCFA and, and realizing that there were people that had already done things that I was thinking about doing and just the benefits of all of those connections. And, you know, ultimately it became camaraderie and people that, um, you know, we enjoy the profession together and you find like-minded people that are trying to hit that moving target and you get some cycles of learning that are very, very difficult to do by yourself in your small town or in your large town, if you're in your own little world. So, yeah, I, I really have found um, my experience with, especially with ICCFA, because I've been uh, pretty involved in committees and things like that. Almost in every one of the uh, conventions that I've attended, the meetings that I've been to, I've learned things that are that are applicable and and really that I can use next week when I get back. And that that's you know that's a that's a lot of value that you you find in that. I think people tend to think that you know it, it's expensive, you know, either membership or travel. Um, Certainly in the last few years, when you start to think about things like this, podcasts, webinars, um, that because you're connected, you know about these things and you can pick up nuggets and you can pick up best practices that result in profitability, another family to serve, uh, things like that. It's, I think it's, it's, it's the thing that our profession really needs to, to focus on. So Gary, um, I understand we're talking about ICCFA. I understand you're the president of ICCFA. And then Kevin, I understand that you are also involved in the organization and your chair of membership. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that. First of all, will you maybe let, let, let our, our listeners know what is ICCFA? Uh, ICCFA is the International Cemetery Cremation and Funeral Association. Uh, it started way back more than 100 years ago as the American Cemetery Association. And over time, it has evolved to be inclusive of anybody that's in the death care uh, profession or end-of-life services profession from the vendors and people that make the equipment all the way through the people serving families uh, to those operating cremation retorts and things like that. So uh, the intention of ICCFA is to have something for everyone uh, that ultimately serves in the end-of-life services profession. Kevin, in your experience, does the size of your firm really, is that an indicator of whether you should maybe think about membership or what are your thoughts on that? No, it isn't. Um, I, I have good friends that I've met through ICCFA and, and other associations that, you know, may only be 80 funerals a year or 100 interments or something like that. It's the mindset. It's It's a person that is saying, I want to grow. I want to get better at serving families that, that finds value in, in this. And um, this is something that, again, ICCFA has so many resources that are available to people that, um, that don't really um, base themselves on call volume or the number of, of families you serve a year. That's, that's what I have found. Gary, how would you say that your membership in that organization uh, has helped you uh, at Spring Grove? Oh, it's been absolutely invaluable. Um, as Kevin was referring to early, earlier, you have other areas, other markets that have already experienced the full transition to cremation, which our market is still going through. We're at, I think, 55% at the moment. Um, 
And to be able to talk to people that that are operating in 75, 80% cremation uh, areas, and I spent some time in Canada as well uh, because their cremation rates up there uh, too. Uh, so that having exposure to those kinds of firms and those kinds of markets, the, the, I talked about the connections earlier. Most of the connections I've made in this profession started at, at an ICCFA conference of some kind uh, or one of their learning events. And then it has morphed into CEO groups and, and things like that, that, that I get a tremendous amount of value. Uh, yeah, I, I, my employees joke about it. My job is to go around the country and find ideas and bring them back to Spring Grove. And we tend to Spring Groveitize them. In other words, uh, you know, something that works in, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, isn't necessarily going to work in the Midwest or in um, Connecticut, but uh, the principles and the concepts. And at the end of the day, where the rubber meets the road is where you're serving one family and, um, you know, making that experience the best, whether it's the service provided or uh, I've gotten a tremendous amount of ideas about cremation development on the cemetery side from markets that have already transitioned into mostly uh, cremation. And uh, that's been invaluable. I mean, uh, I don't, we don't, we don't cook our cookie cutter room, but getting the concept of bringing it back and say, how would that work in, in our market? Uh, it, it's, it, it's been uh, incredibly valuable. I can tell you that there was, there's one development we did that I, I got the idea from Mount Pleasant in Toronto and modified what they had done. And um, it's, it's meant millions of dollars of sales. It, it touched a note within the cremation consumer that they were looking for that we had no idea. We never would have done that development if I hadn't seen it in Toronto. I got a question, I guess, for both of you, but I'll start with Kevin. And I, I guess, um, for again, for the listener out there who may not, or may be considering membership in one of these organizations, let's talk about what might be at risk um, for the funeral director who decides maybe maybe they could go without you know being involved in their state organization or going without being involved in ICCFA. What would you say is at risk? You know, I think the thing that's at risk is they slowly become irrelevant. And I know that sounds harsh, but if you if you continue to just do the same things over time in this environment that we're seeing, which is rapidly changing. So if you are not, what happens is you start to see market share loss. People will go to those that are going to provide them what they're what they're asking for. And I've, I've had the, the uh, good fortune of working across the entire United States. It doesn't matter where you are. This is changing. Our profession and what people are looking for at end of life is changing. So, you know, by not getting out and hearing and seeing what others are doing, uh, it's pretty difficult to do it all on your own and, and figure that out and hit the target, hit the moving target. I, I would concur with with Kevin. Um, the the legislative environment or, or the, op, the 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 rules that we operate under as funeral homes and cemeteries does vary state to state. In general, the further west you go, the less regulated the profession is. Um, and so, involved staying involved in state associations is important because you're hopefully plugged into what regulatory changes are being made at your state level. Um, but also getting out into the national organizations 
uh, where we're talking about uh, our response to the funeral rule, uh, ICCFA, NFDA, CANA, and several other groups that take too long to list, all came out with a joint statement on how we should to the to the right to the legislators on what they should do with the funeral rule as they review it. Um, so there's some power there in making sure that we get uh, regulation that really does protect the consumer and allows us to operate with as much flexibility as possible. So it's it's both uh, local and national. Uh, there, there, there's an element or, or a role for each one of those two. You know, as I think about learning and 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 moving the profession forward, uh, I, I've leaned on so many other people in the profession uh, that have helped me that I, I now feel compelled to go back and give back. And so one of the things I do is is I I'm the dean of the leadership college at ICCFA University, and I also teach there uh, as a way for to pass on all of the knowledge and all the information and all the perspective that I've gotten that other people have shared with me over the last 20 years. And I, it, it's really fulfilling for me to, to see these young, eager, they're typically middle management people running a, a funeral home within a larger organization or a cemetery. Uh, and it, it just fills them with energy. It fills them with ideas. It fills them with, uh, I've got 16 takeaways and I, I don't know, I, I'm so excited about all of them. I don't know which one to do first whether it's personal development or development of their organization. So uh, that's one of the things I've really enjoyed over the past uh, five to 10 years, uh, just sort of uh, paying it forward or, or repaying all the, all the information I got over those, uh, those early years when I was coming up the learning curve. I would agree, Gary. The, uh, you know, one of the first things that I did in my uh, relationship with ICCFA was attend the university. And uh, when I heard about it, I thought, well, wait a minute, how long is this going to take? And you know, <laughs> I learned that it was a, a long weekend. It was like a Friday night to a Wednesday morning. And it was it was compact. It was um, it was exciting. It was fun. I made great friends. But I had that list coming home on Wednesday. I had that list of things that that were valuable to my employer that were going to help move us forward. And, uh, and, and then I went back, um, I, I didn't go four years in a row. I think I went uh, four out of five. And, um, and some of those friendships and relationships, the value I've gotten out of those over the years is, you know, just again, triple what I got during that long weekend each year that I went in the summer. Um, but that's something different that, that I found at ICCFA that I thought was very valuable. The other one is Dead Talks, and that's evolved over the years. We've had different names, but it's roughly modeled on the TED Talks um, concept, and they're, they're short, quick, 20-minute uh, type segments that are things that people that are in the selling side of our business, be it pre-need cemetery, pre-need funeral, um, I, there are even nuggets in there that people that are serving at need cemetery and funeral can use coming out of those uh, conferences, but that one's a little different, you know, and, and it's, it's fast, it's hard hitting. And again, I think it really speaks to this idea of you need something that you take away and you can implement. And those are a couple of the things that really differentiated ICCFA and really attracted me uh, to the organization and have made me really passionate about the value. 
I'd like to maybe get some thoughts from you guys as we start wrapping this up here. What are some things that we can take away from this? And what are some things that you might give uh, some direction to someone who might want to learn more about this organization? Well, I think one of the things, obviously, um, I, I'm available to uh, to talk to anyone about membership, being the membership chair. But we have a person in the uh, home office. Her name is Cindy Hinton. And she's one of those people that if you know someone like this, if your funeral home, your cemetery, they're the glue. They get stuff done. Um, she's, she's amazing. Really easy contact information. It's Cindy at ICCFA.com. And she would be probably the easiest way to get the correct information. I may get information to you, but, you know, I might have to check with Cindy. Uh, and the other thing I would tell you is that ICCFA offers we want to be able to demonstrate all the value that you're going to get as a member. So they offer discounts to first time, uh, first time attendees uh, for sure at the annual convention. And I'm not, I think we've done it with, with the other ones. So you have people get a sense of it. We give it away to young funeral directors that just came out of, um, out of school, just got their license or they're still an apprentice. We'll let that, we'll give them a deeply discounted thing just to get exposed to all the various things that ICCFA is. So again, Cindy would know that, or you can call Kevin. Uh, they vary at times, but uh, we almost always have some kind of incentive to, to have a new uh, new member come in and uh, get the full immersion rather than us just talking about it. Very good. So if I'm hearing a formula here as, as we wrap up, I'm hearing the next steps for our listeners who are showing interest is to start somewhere. Um, ICCFA is a great place for them to start. Inquire about membership, whether it be through Cindy or our listeners could even reach out to FD Talks at Funeral Directors Life and I will direct them to her. I think the most important thing too is for those people who are members to share what they learn with their team. Absolutely. Gentlemen, I'm I'm very happy to have had you on our program today. Uh, I look forward to, to hearing from you again very soon. And that's a wrap for FD Talks. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Rob. Good to see you, Kevin. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at funeraldirectorslife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. And we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.